from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Later this month, Metro Transit plans to make service cuts that affect 37 bus routes. The reason likely comes as no surprise. Parent organization Bi-State Development can't find enough drivers. The cuts go into effect November 29th, and some riders say they merely hasten a trend that's already well underway on the streets. Buses not coming by, sometimes with little or no notice. Every day, Gina Becknell com commutes by bus from the Dutchtown neighborhood in South St. Louis to the Central West End. Lately, gauging how long it's going to take her to get to work has become a lot more difficult. The other day, Gina's number 11 bus was the culprit. I was waiting in the cold, like checking the app. And normally when it's not live updating, that's bad. <laughs> that means something bad is going to happen. At least recently, that's what it means. So looked like it was going to show up. Absolutely did not show up. The next one after it had been canceled, like crossed out through the app. So my wait was going to be like 40 minutes. And that's, you know, not the 30 minutes it takes to 30, 40 minutes it takes to get on the bus to train and then get to work. Now, Gina recently learned from another rider that Metro Transit will actually pay for a lift ride when buses fail to show. They haven't been advertising it at all, but um, it worked. They showed up. I got a ride, not even to Civic, which is where the 11 goes, but to work directly. And again, that's Gina Bucknell. Her Lyft driver the other day told her he's been picking up a lot of bus riders, but those riders are actually paying out of pocket for ride shares after their buses didn't show up. Now, Metro says you can call its transit information line. That's 314-231-2345 if you encounter a wait of 30 minutes or more due to a bus not showing up for a scheduled trip. They can help arrange a lift. But Gina Bucknell says that feels like a Band-Aid solution and not the most affordable one. If every rider who missed their bus was taking a lift, it would just be more affordable for Metro to raise the wage of their drivers. And I'm sure that that would attract more drivers to fill this gap. Now, Gina is not alone in her concerns about these gaps. Linda, Linda Reynolds describes bus service in St. Louis as, quote, miserable. She and her spouse need to get to Barnes Jewish Hospital many times each month for appointments. She left us a voicemail describing her frustration in trying to use the bus to get to and from the hospital. Both myself and my husband have many illnesses and requires a lot of doctor visits. We cannot depend on the bus service. We live off of, we, we take the Kings Highway bus, but then we live more up toward Grand off of Bates, and there's no, no bus service. It, 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 it's horrible. We used to live in San Francisco, and the bus service was so incredibly wonderful there, and it's such a shock to be here and to find that you have no reliable bus service whatsoever. And that is Linda Reynolds. And now joining us now with more on this story is Mitch Eagles. He's a local transit enthusiast, and these days he's a devoted but frustrated bus rider. Mitch, welcome back. Thank you, Sarah. And we're also joined today by Katina Wilson. She's the vice president of Amalgamated Transit Union Local 788. They represent local bus drivers and rail operators. Katina, welcome back. 
Thank you. So, Katina, so many employers are having trouble hiring enough people right now. What have members and former members of your union said about why they're calling it quits? It's the lack of support. It, it's really the lack of support from the management. And this is not an easy job to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes bus drivers get forgotten about through, you know, they worked through this pandemic. They were out there and they just don't get the support that, you know, they need. Then the management team we currently have, they're very unempathetic. Un- they're not sympathetic for, you know, what the operators are doing. I don't think they appreciate them. They put incentives out and things like that, but there's so many requirements and stipulations on them that the operators just uh, the stress of the job and the danger that comes with the job. A number of them are calling quit, calling it quits, and you can't recruit enough people yet. The management team, is I don't believe it's putting in the work it takes to retain the employees who have um, maintained the system. So, Katina, I I hear you. I mean, it does sound like such a tough job. What kind of support from management do you think would make a difference for the people you've talked to? I think the support is that, uh, one, their rules are unrealistic. They're unrealistic. The expectation that they set is is not one that can be met in this time. So I think the system needs to to really look at just kind of doing a kind of overhaul Mm-hmm. and putting the operators and the, the people in labor in a, a, a different place where they, they, they feel appreciated. It's, it's the metro that, they're want, that it once was is no longer there. The people who we currently now have in charge, they don't have that empathy. It seems, to, it seems more personal where people are trying to, you know, get to where they're going versus making sure that mass transit lives here in St. Louis. Hmm. And I don't know any, you know, an easier way to put it. So, Mitch, drivers are understandably frustrated. It is such a hard job, but this has had a real impact on you and your fellow riders. How bad has it been from the perspective of somebody who's who's really enthusiastic about public transit? You want to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still lucky. I can work from home several days a week, so I'm not relying as much on the system. But getting to my job, oftentimes the bus does not show up. And we are... Uh, I want to thank Katina so much because we riders are <laughs> so reliant on these drivers who are um, showing up. And it's clear that leadership at by state and Metro don't use the bus and don't think about this system because these problems have been going on for a long time. I mean, the start of the pandemic, they were there. They were there long before and nothing has been done. We hear a lot about turnstiles and uh, security, safety, uh, but safety only goes that far. It doesn't account uh, for the uh, single mother who's uh, waiting to get home from her job in the dark and her bus shelter is broken and the bus has been cut back and now she has to wait an extra half hour. She might have to transfer. Why doesn't that count as safety for Metro and by state? Uh, so you feel like Bi-State has been focused on sort of this perception that the system is dangerous. I know a lot of people who don't use buses or don't use the rail, they say they feel like there might be dangerous people on there who might be violent with them. It sounds like you're saying there's different issues here that they're not paying attention to. There's a much wider uh, element of safety that is totally left out of this conversation, right? If you're waiting for your bus in the cold, that is unsafe. If you have to make a transfer, uh, we have warming centers. They just built a big one at a civic center that allows, you know, if you're going to have to transfer buses like many people do, you can wait in the warmth or in the in 
uh, air conditioning in the summer, that's been closed since the pandemic started. We are cutting back frequencies. People have to wait a half hour, maybe even an hour, two hours, and they can't even wait inside. Metro told us they can't open those this winter because the people who run them are driving buses. Oh, we so this need... is a manpower problem once again. Yeah, we have been calling on them to increase pay, increase wages. I would love to hear what Katina, you know, thinks can attract more bus drivers because they're their issue is the same as ours. We just need more bus drivers need out more there. more people here. Well, Katina, I, it sounds like you're saying you really, we need to have an overhaul, that some of these rules and regulations, these are what drivers are really chafing under. What could Metro Transit do right now to make things better for people? Would, would wages be something that could get you there? Right now, we just need the management team that they have that have in place to have empathy, to understand what 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 comes with the job. We need them to understand that these operators have been out there. These mechanics have been there. Our clerical workers have been there. Our Colorado operators have been there through this pandemic. We have Metro Transit. We have people on this property making under twenty dollars an hour. You can't live today on these kind of wages, and and, and it's. And they get and they don't get the treatment that they deserve when they're making this system work. So we have to remember these are people who work through this system, who held on six years without, you know, pay increases. Now we've gotten the last contract through, but you have to remember their wage wage was stagnant for six years. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to play catch up when, you know, everything is going up, just like any other business. The union dues to operate to to make sure that we're getting strong contracts, those go up. The medical insurance, that goes up. You know, we're trying to maintain a pension. And these operators are out here holding down the primary task, and they just get the short end of the stick, as do our mechanics, our clerical workers, and our collar ride operators. Yet our our, our management staff, I mean, they're it's like our upper level. They're living their best life, and they're not, using, you know, considering the people who are actually making the task happen. So this is a contract year. We expect to go to the table and for them to be reasonable with us. But just like last time, it took us to come and talk to you guys for us to get anything done. So I honestly say it's the management team. And I wish that this board of commissioners would look at that. The Mm -hmm. public is saying it. Mm -hmm. The union is saying it. Something needs to happen. So we received a statement this morning. This is from Bi-State Development President and CEO Talby Roach. I'm, I'm going to read this here. It's, it's fairly lengthy, but I want to get his perspective across on this. He writes, quote, our focus is to support our operators and deliver a better transit experience for our riders. We didn't shut down when the global pandemic reached our region. So our operators have been out there on the front line every single day delivering service for essential workers. Their commitment to provide transit services during one of the most challenging periods in history has been something... Has has been nothing short of heroic. We need to get our operators more help because we are impacted, like many other transit agencies and businesses, by the nationwide labor shortage. New operators are being hired to sustain our current team members. We've increased our recruitment efforts significantly, and we've slowly begun to see some success with new operator training classes progressing for Metrobus and Metro Colloride. However, it is going to take time to restore our workforce level to where it needs to be. He continues, due to the shortage of operators, it has been necessary 
necessary over the last few months to cancel scheduled Metro bus trips on a daily basis. That's the last thing we wanted to do because we know canceling trips creates delays and hardship for our loyal riders. The service changes scheduled for November 29th is being implemented to provide service reliability and minimize or eliminate canceled bus trips. We will be able to better match our service levels with our staffing resources so that our riders can rely on Metro and know that their bus will arrive when it is scheduled to. This reduction in service and service frequency is temporary. It is intended to stabilize our service, improve our reliability, and improve service for riders. And as we grow our workforce in the months ahead, we look forward to restoring transit service in spring and summer of next year. He continues, I want to thank our operators for their dedication and tireless work and thank our riders for their patience and understanding. He has more um, information for people who want more information about it's at metrostlouis.org. We also have information on our website about a hiring event coming up. They are looking for people to join the team. Um, And of course, our guest today, Katina Wilson, Vice President of Amalgamated Transit Union Local 788. We're also joined by uh, transit writer Mitch Eagles. Katina, I'm curious to hear your response and reaction to that statement. And it's... uh, sounds good it sounds good it sounds good and until you walk into the building until you deal with the management team they have in place until you deal with the lack of empathy that they have for their employees employees these guys go through it they've been through it through the pandemic they can't get a day off they can't get the float days they can't get track contractual contractual things that are they're entitled to without being punished because and we understand that they're short staffed but however that we need people in place to understand that our operators showed up for work. Our operators were out there on the front lines doing the best that they can, and they need time for their families. They need time to just regroup so they can be better operators in that seat. And, you know, when the stress levels are up, it's hard to keep your composure when you're dealing with the drug addiction, the, the, the homelessness, the mental health uh, epidemic we have out here. So we don't, the operators don't have the support they need. These operators are assaulted. Our work comp has been contracted outside of the agency. Our people are being turned down. It's frustrating. And, and all I can see is an is a epic fail in mm-hmm. what we have in place right now. So, Katina, we talked to Talby Roach on the show, I believe it was just about a week ago, and he talked about a new pilot program where they are going to be putting social workers on some buses and also providing training for drivers in how to deal with some of these difficult situations you're talking about there. Is, does that feel like a step in the right direction? It, it does, and these are resources that, and I'm not going to say solely the, uh, the ATU has, but these were things we have been pushing for. We've uh, sat at the table with Better Family Life at one point, saying, hey, let's come in and let's try to uh, collaborate some of these resources within the community. These are entities, Better Family Life. Now we're working with uh, we've in the Urban League. These are the resources that can hit the community, those people who ride the transit service. We, as operators or those same people living in those living in these communities mm-hmm. we we've been pushing at these things and uh, i think it would be great but i would like to see if it would actually happen yeah so you feel like you're kind of going to withhold judgment until you see how this all plays out in reality because that's where so many of the problems has been mitch i i hear you i see you nodding as mm-hmm. katina's saying all these things it sounds like for people who are really into being a bus rider you see this from the driver's point of view because you see what they deal with yeah absolutely i mean talby in his statement said we didn't shut down he he commented on a heroic 
uh, our heroic bus drivers. I agree. Um, here's the thing they did early in the pandemic. We moved to rear door boarding where bus riders get on the back of the door. There's an ongoing pandemic. We still have to wear masks uh, on the bus, but every person getting on the bus who's paying their fare faces a bus driver. I imagine as a bus driver, it would feel safer again during a respiratory pandemic for every person not to be facing uh, me when they get on the bus. Now that cost us fares, but Bystate got $140 million in CARES Act funding uh, to, for, to operate safely during the pandemic. Uh, a whole year of fares, uh, and this is both Metrolink and Metrobus, is $23 million. So we had uh, rear door to boarding for only three months of this pandemic, and we ended it despite this not being safe yet. Uh, it is, of course, still dangerous enough to keep our warming centers and our transfer centers closed, but not safe enough to return to rear door boarding, something that would protect our drivers and our riders significantly. Katina, is that something that your drivers would be in favor of, going back to that rear door boarding? That is one of the thing that is one of the things that we initiated from the beginning. We begged and begged when they got ready to return it back from rear door boarding. Um, we asked, Hey, can you relocate the fare box? Because all we want is for the operator to come in contact with as minimal people mm -hmm. as possible. Because when that operator comes in contact with somebody, it means that that operator is there every day, all day. We we pushed it, we stressed it. The operator's there in that seat all day. Everybody that comes past is in contact with that operator. However, for whatever reason, that was not something they wanted to do. And I will say on the other uh, end of the spectrum, as far as the free fare and, and, and the uh, public riding, we explained to the operators, hey, this is a public transit system. That's what we're here for. That's what it's designed for. You know, and they're like, well, you know, everything, we, we're, we're just driving it, it's, it gets rough when that fare is not in place. Mm -hmm. it, it really does because it, it, it comes just kind of like a free-for-all, and that's when you see the incident of, um, you know, the, the overdoses and the fights and the assaults. So drivers so do want, like you're not saying open up the system, make it free-for-all, but you're saying if you just move these fare boxes, this would give drivers a little more breathing room. We got a hundred, a hundred plus million dollars. This is simple. It's not something we haven't seen done. You move that fare box to that rear door, and there, there, that will decrease your assault. Hmm. That will decrease your driver incidents. That will decrease a number of things. On top of it being a pan, a global pandemic. So, Mitch, there are a lot of concerns here from drivers um, and as well as from riders. And I understand you're trying to do something about this. You're part of a new effort. This is called Bus Riders United STL. You've described this as a sort of a union for bus riders. Mm -hmm. How would this work? Yeah, so we're actually seeing transit rider unions grow across the United States. A number of cities have them. Um, as I said, it's clear Metro and bi-state leadership don't use the bus, so they probably need an organization to tell them what our problems are. I'd love to see Talby Roach ride the bus for a week. I don't think he will. But until he does, we can give him sort of, here's the high-level view of what needs to be fixed on our system. Um, we are out at transit centers talking to people. I was at Gravelly Hampton on Monday morning talking uh, to folks. and. They one thing they mentioned, and I have a monthly pass, so I didn't notice this. Riding the bus is actually more expensive than it was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You could buy a two-hour transfer on the bus. Um, now you have to just buy your rides one by one. How does leadership not realize this is the case when it's been like this for a year and a half? 
we're still in a, a economic and safety crisis. Um, so issues like that, um, issues like shelters not being repaired and not having ac uh, good access to bus stops, I think with an organization of bus riders, we can help amplify these issues. Um, I know where my issues on my bus line are. I want to hear where yours are. Um, so yeah, Bus Riders United uh, is an attempt to really uh, harness some collective energy here. So this wouldn't have the, um, the sort of legal rights that a workplace union has, but it would be a way of having your voice heard, making sure that those perspectives are being heard by management and the public? Yeah, exactly. Collective organization is similar to a tenants union, which we've seen growing mm -hmm. across the country. Not the same thing as a, a labor union, but still people coming together with a common cause and uh, making sure that uh, services they rely on are effective and reliable. Well, it seems like, um, you know, this is this is an essential voice to have at the table. And so you're going to be continuing with this, this Bus Riders United STL. If people want to join up on this, uh, what's the best way to follow up with you? Yeah, please check out our website. It's brustl.org. We'll also be at Grand Station uh, on Thursday evening uh, talking to folks. Uh, and keep an eye out for us at other bus stops and transit centers. If you want to see us somewhere, uh, there's a form on our website. Please, uh, uh, we are looking for everybody uh, who relies on this bus to get in touch with us. Well, Mitch Eagles, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. And Katina Wilson, a Vice President of Amalgamated Transit Union Local 788, I want to thank you for joining us as well. I, and Evie, thank you. I'd just like to put a plea out to the public just to go easy on these operators. They're overworked, they're underpaid, and they're mistreated in the walls of Metro. So just kind of go easy on them, and, and, and we're working to make sure that we're out there as a support to you because we're out there with you. So we're in this together. Katina, I appreciate that. That is actually the perfect note to end on. I hope everybody can keep that in mind. We are in this together. And be nice to your bus driver. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.